Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be on hold for a few minutes while we wait, everyone, wait for everyone to arrive. Hello and thank you for joining us today. My name is Leah Freeberg from Fluke Reliability and I appreciate that you joined us for this best practices webinar. You probably know Fluke as a test tool provider and you may also know that we produce some of the industry's favorite reliability tools from infrared cameras to vibration meters, but you may not know that many of the measurements that our tools collect now flow automatically into EAM systems of record. It happens via a framework that we call Fluke Connect. Our goal at Fluke Reliability is to better connect all this asset management data and teams with asset management systems so that we can drive connected knowledge. And of course, that knowledge depends greatly on best practices in condition-based maintenance. So that's why this series of webinars explores reliability maintenance strategies. And that's why we feature speakers from a variety of expert backgrounds. Before the presentation, we have a few housekeeping items to go over. Today's session is being recorded, so your phone lines are muted to minimize background noise. We will save time after the presentation for your questions. So if questions come up during the presentation, you are welcome to use the questions feature on GoToWebinar to submit comments as we go. So take a minute now to find the questions tool in the dashboard. At the end of the talk, I will share as many of your questions as time allows for our presenter to answer. If we have unanswered questions at the end, we'll follow up with written answers. If you'd like to receive the slides from today's presentation, please let us know during the survey that will appear at the end of today's session. So don't hang up until the survey appears and you've answered the questions. A recording of this webinar will be available on the excelix.com website within a day or two. All right, that's it for housekeeping, and now for the main event. Today, we are very pleased to have with us Jonathan Goff, an alignment technology expert from Proof Technic. He'll be presenting on adaptive alignment, the next generation in laser shaft alignment systems. Jonathan is a Fluke Reliability product manager and the product owner for the Proof Technic touch alignment platform. Based in Ismaning, Germany, he has 25 years of experience with Proof Technic, including roles as Head of Product Management, International Sales Manager, and General Manager for the Southeast Asia Territory. He has 30 years of experience in condition monitoring sectors and holds a Bachelor of Engineering degree in Mechanical Engineering from Bradford University in the UK. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for being here today. It's my pleasure. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening. Indeed. So Jonathan, I understand you'll be showing us quite a few uh, in-situ examples of adaptive alignment today. Yeah, that's the idea. We want to hopefully be able to present and share and show some interactive uh, adaptive alignment situational videos. Wonderful. It sounds very applicable. I can't wait to get started. So I'll just turn it over to you now. Great. Okay. Hopefully I can move on to the next slide. Here we are. So about Proof Technic, first of all, Proof Technic was founded 
1972, a family-owned company, and it grew into an organization of 20 worldwide subsidiaries. And in July last year, 2019, Proof Center was acquired by the Flute Corporation, part of the Fortive Group, and now we're part of the Flute Reliability Group. And Proof Technic, as it mentions here, is one of the leading maintenance technology manufacturers, solution providers in the field of alignment systems, condition monitoring, and non-destructive testing. As well as research in developing and manufacturing products, we also do worldwide machinery services. And this is important because what that has given us there's a lot of invaluable industrial machine application insights and feedback. And from this knowledge and information we've obtained from the service personnel, it's allowed us to adapt our alignment systems to different application situations. But before talking about adaptive alignment, what I'd like to first of all uh, share with you initially is a brief history of first of all why alignment, why precision alignment, and then we'll get into the area of adaptive um, alignment and, and how Proof-Tenic deliver the adaptive alignment uh, technology. So, first things first, if we evaluate and look at consequences of, of, of breakdown of machinery, it's well known, in fact, these days, that 50% or over of machinery breakdown can be directly attributed to misalignment. Um, that can be directly the vibration damaging the machine or with excessive loads. The bearing can be um, loaded and, and become damaged uh, or the seal, mechanical seal can, can have excessive loads and start leaking or directly the coupling itself can become weared, worn and, and sometimes fail. So talking about couplings, there are many, many different types of couplings out in the field. And if we're talking about what we call short flex couplings, which is talked about in the industry as flexible couplings, we can see here there's a number of different types we have here on the left. We have a gear coupling, we have here a grid spring coupling, and also here we have a tire coupling, just some typical examples of flexible couplings. But the question is, and this is always a discussion we have historically with a lot of um, people and companies, uh, historically at least, is if it's a flexible coupling, we don't need to precision align the coupling. And the question is, does the coupling really absorb the misalignment or does it transmit the misalignment if the coupling is allowed to flex? And therefore, if you have a flexible coupling and you have misalignment, you may be loading and therefore how flexible is not only the coupling, but the bearings and the machine housing and the frame. So this is the discussion historically maybe is can we align flexible couplings with here as the example shows simply with a ruler and feeler gauge well due to real life application and photos that we've taken during all our services out in the field we can see clearly misalignment as damaging the couplings here for example the first is showing a gear coupling with hardly any teeth left we have a spider type rubber element which is completely deformed. We have a grid spring coupling where the, the grid, the spring has been broken in two. There was insufficient lubrication of the wrong type of lubrication and it was in fact wearing the outer casing of the grid spring coupling. We can completely sometimes see on applications that the coupling is completely sheared 
in this example here with the shim plates or with the integrated couplings we see with the, de the, the, the deformity of the rubber elements or the plastic um, spider type elements or the individual components. So this is a clear sign we see in, in industry with customers of the consequences of misalignment on a coupling. But also in the bearings, ProofTechnic is doing vibration monitoring. We, we see indications in the vibration signature of uh, bearing damage, wear and damage, and we see in this example it's clearly on the outer raceway of the bearing. There's damage caused by the, the loading of the bearing and the misalignment. <clears throat> or another example here, a roller bearing, the cageway is completely damaged and, and destroyed. As well as the bearing, as we mentioned, the seals can, um, with excessive misalignment, especially mechanical seals, they can't uh, accommodate the amounts of misalignment and the, the pump uh, leaks, and ultimately the mechanical seal can become not only worn but damaged. So these are clear signs we see in the field. Um, so what ProofTenic came out with in the early 80s was a dial gauge system. Uh, it was called the Alley 2000. And what the user did is they, they read the di mechanical dial gauges, as you can see on the application photo, and they, they had to rotate the dial gauge uh, to, to, to visually as the user read the dial gauge, and then they manually entered the values into the calculator, and the calculator calculated based on the dial gauge values, the coupling uh, alignment position, and also the, the, the machine feet positions for corrections. But in those days, the issue, as always with mechanical dial gauges, is you, you have the mechanical um, influence of, of the mass over length, you have the bending moment, we call it bar sack. Um, you have sometimes mechanical um, uh, stickiness in the dial gauge, you have the user physically having to, 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 to read the dial gauge, which is not so easy, rotating 180 degrees when the dial gauge is upside down, back to front, and you have to read it with a mirror on occasion. Um, and then also with mechanical dial gauges, with, with the brackets, you have all the linkage uh, mechanical uh, situations that you have to contend with as a user. So what we found in a lot of cases when we talk with customers, even though they were doing not ruler and feeler alignment, but they were trying to do precision alignment using um, dial gauge, uh, what they actually found when we discussed and we, we, we evaluated their machines, that there were very low percentage of machines that were actually in precision alignment tolerances. This is what we, we, we found out in the field with real application situations. And this is why in proof technique in the mid 80s, they came out, they invented the, the first laser shaft alignment system. It was called Optoline. We still use the name Optoline today. Uh, it was a single laser sensor sensor technology. Um, but it was obviously over 35 years ago now. And at the time, it was definitely state-of-the-art, was, was the, the product that was brought out from Proof Technic uh, all those years ago. So if I want to summarize the three methods of aligning couplings, we have the straight edge, which at best is a resolution. We have in the order of a tenth of a millimeter, maybe five mils or thous in the US, as you call it. We have the dial indicator, which has 10 times the resolution. We can have a resolution normally of a dial gauge of a hundredth of a millimeter, half a thou, resolution. And the 
Optoline, when it came out, had a resolution 10 times better than a dial gauge, which is a micron, thousands of a millimeter. Um, and those are the three systems. But to use the, them, and if you were trying to achieve the, the, the accuracy versus the precision, which is what we're displaying here as, as the tenth, the hundredth, and the thousandth of a millimeter, we'd say you'd have to be the wizard if you're going to use a rule and feeler to get anywhere near that type of, of precision, even a tenth of a millimeter. It's not normal uh, with a ruler and feeler. If you're using dial gauges, you have to be more of a specialist. You have to understand, you have to have training, you have to maybe have graph paper or a calculator. Um, you have to read the dial gauge, you have to manually enter the values. Um, and there's a lot of mechanical issues, as I mentioned already, because of the bar sag. And finally, the technician, as we would say, for the laser alignment product 35 years ago with Optoline, is what we're aiming at with, with the, uh, the Optoline system. So those are the methods. That's where historically proof sending came from. And then now if we go to the first question. Thank you, Jonathan. I've already learned quite a bit and uh, I look forward to what comes next. Hmm. So this is the audience's turn. I'm going to put a poll up on screen now and you will have the chance to answer this question live. You only get to select one answer though. So which alignment method are you predominantly using? Straight edge and feeler gauge, dial indicators, laser shaft alignment, or no alignment method being used at this time? So we'll give you a few more seconds. We're hoping to get about two thirds of the audience to participate here so we get a good feel. Obviously we're not in person so we can't do a show of hands. The idea is for Jonathan to get an idea for what methods you're currently using so he can address that during his presentation today. So which alignment method are you predominantly using? Straight edge and feeler gauge, dial indicators, laser shaft alignment, or no alignment method being used at this time? If you can't click the buttons, then you may need to reduce the size of your screen. If you have your screen maximized, it may not allow you to click the buttons. Okay, so we have about half the folks in. I'm going to give it about 10 more seconds here. So again, which one is predominant? You might still be doing more than these, but just one, which one do you rely on the most? All right, I'm going to close it down now and I'll share the results with you. So we have 11% using straight edge and feeler gauge. We have 17% using dial indicators, 63% using laser shaft alignment, and 9% not using alignment methods at this time. Jonathan, how does that compare to what you usually see? Yeah, the statistic percentages change over the years, which is positive that, that more mm. and more people are seeing the, the value and, and the benefit, not only of, we call it precision alignment, but what laser alignment systems are these days offering versus maybe 35 years ago with, with the first Optoline system. So I would say that's that's reassuring, but there's still people out there that, that we hopefully want to, to interest with this um, discussion about adaptive alignment and, and the laser products that we're offering these days versus 35 right. years ago. A lot has changed. I'm going to hide the results now and give control back to you. Great. Okay, so um, good to know where people are out in the industry currently. Um, and just to share with you, where proof sending has come um, with our evolution over the years. So as I mentioned, in the mid-80s, we, we had the Optoline, first laser product, single laser, single 
detector system. Ten years later, importantly, we came out with the Rotaline system, uh, which had a single laser still, but within the single sensor, it had the very important double detector technology uh, embedded into the sensor. And that was a major breakthrough in the evolution of, of, of laser shaft alignment. So that was 10 years after we started with Optoline. Then another 10 years later, it seems every 10 years, we came out with the, the Rotaline Ultra. And that importantly, not only had a color display, which is obviously more modern these days, but more importantly, it had a Bluetooth communication. So you no longer had the problem with the cable and wrapping around the shaft of the coupling as you'd perform in the alignment. Then approximately 10 years later again, uh, importantly, we came out with the advanced uh, user guidance with the Rotaline Touch. Um, and together with that on the hardware, we introduced the SensorLine 7 sensor, which not only had the single laser, single sensor, double detector, but also the intelligence uh, in built into the sensor itself for measurement, which we're going to show you. And then finally, the younger brother of the uh, package called Rotaline Touch is the Optoline Touch, which came out just over a year or so ago, which is using the SensorLine 7, uh, SensorLine 5 heads rather than SensorLine 7. So this is where we've come in the last 35 years. Um, and so, so as I say, it, it's a succession of hardware and software technologies uh, that together has advanced into what we call now the next generation of advanced uh, alignment systems. And this is what we're offering and makes the adaptive alignment uh, possible um, that we're going to now show you with a number of examples. So the first question is maybe what is adaptive alignment? Uh, so adaptive alignment, as I mentioned, is a combination of software and hardware. Um, and what we're doing effectively is the system is able to adapt to the different situations encountered. You, you've got the, 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 the adaptability of the system is to adapt to the asset itself that you're wanting to align. Then you have the system will adapt to the situation encountered uh, in real time on the asset. And finally, it's the adaptability of the system for the user and, and the level of experience and knowledge of the user who has to perform the alignment based on the situation they encounter in the field. So what we're, we're doing is adaptive alignment, as it mentions. It's taking away the guesswork or the guesstimates, reducing time and effort and wasted time and effort and, and, and reworking and time-consuming um, situations. So obviously the objective is that we can, we can align faster with high precision and everyone gets the same results irrespective of knowledge and experience. This is the goal of adaptive alignment. Uh, how are we doing it? We have two areas. We have the hardware area with the single laser, single um, sensor, sensor line technology, together with what we're calling a software, uh, the active situational intelligence. And this is the together what delivers the, uh, the adaptive alignment benefits. And what we're going to show in the next um, examples is a number of uh, adaptive, uh, active situational intelligence to, to show what's possible out there with, with the systems that we uh, offer. So let's go to the examples. I have a number of um, interactive videos. So the first, the first example I want to reference is a very standard, straightforward machine application that I'm sure most people out there are more than familiar with. It's a standard motor pump application. 
and in this photo here you can see the shafts are coupled and what we're going to do is we've got some real life recorded videos and we're going to put it on a, a simulator and we've embedded into the videos the, um, the, the touch screen so you'll see everything working in real time as we, 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 we run the video. So let's just play the first video and see what happens. This is um, standard application coupled machine. Let's just see what happens as a, for a standard measurement. So we enter the dimensions first. Then we start the measurement, just rotate the, the shaft and it triggers automatically the measurement. And then in real time, we've got the sensor rotating and measuring on the display. And it shows here that we have a good alignment condition in that we have what we call a blue pie on the coupling. So we can go straight to results. We find misalignment, we can go straight to move. And then in real time, simultaneously, we're able to see the horizontal and the vertical direction of the machine. And we can move in real time, the front of the foot, the back of the foot. We see the vertical and the horizontal values changing. We see the coupling status over the machine here. It's in a, in a sad condition. The arrows are showing the amount and the values and the direction of the correction. When the values of the feet are changing into good condition, we show here a, a changes the condition to a smiley. And then after the machine has been realigned, tells you on the bottom right, left, right corner what to do, measure next. We automatically go back. And again, if you follow this time the pie chart, it'll go from red to amber to green to blue. So we start in any position, we can stop in any position, and we can um, get the result and the condition. So that's the first example. If we move to the next example, what we're saying here on the screen is we've got coupling backlash. This is a very important phenomena to be aware of as a user normally with a basic alignment uh, system is if you're having coupling backlash, it can influence the quality and the accuracy of your measurement because it changes the relative position of, of the laser and the sensor during the measurement. So this is what we're going to show you. But also we're going to show you some, some active situational intelligence um, even before the measurement starts in this example. So I'll just start the video and we'll just see what happens. So we started before we enter the dimensions and this time the, the laser in this example is not pre-centered into the middle of the detector area. We're having some angle between the detectors. So this shows us here for the user in which direction, how much should the, the, laser, the, the user adjust the laser into the, uh, the, the, the central area of, of, of the sensor detector surface. So this is advanced information for the user, it's pre-measurement information for the user, it shows them instruction, it gives feedback, and it's coaching the user as he's doing and performing the measurement. So as you can see here, what happened, and the user doesn't have to even be, be aware of it, in fact, uh, technically, is the system detected, the symbol shows it, it, we've got coupling play. It tells him on the screen Coupling play, uh, it tells you uh, for, as the user, as you're measuring in real time, it gives the instantaneous feedback for the user, and it's warning the user 
that there's coupling play that's being detected by the system. But more important than the system detecting coupling play is the fact that the system, even though it detects coupling play, and it shows at the end of the measurement that coupling play has been defined by the system, the analytics and the algorithm has removed this measurement data from the qualified accepted measurement data. So, in fact, the measurement quality, 56%, is more than acceptable in this example. Let's just roll it one more time. So it starts, it does the adjustment. After it's done the adjustment, it measures it. The system detects, the system informs the user, triggers and removes that data from the, the data that's accepted by the system. That's the situational intelligence. So, as you can see here, in this example, we have three measurements that have been taken. And as you can see, the three measurements are within one hundredth of a millimeter, five microns from each other. So it's very repeatable, very accurate. Why? Because the backlash, the coupling play has been removed from the accepted data and therefore doesn't influence the quality and the accuracy of the, the results for the, uh, for the user in the field. So, the assumption is normally that the user is following the guidance and doing the alignment in, in, the, in the normal prescribed manner with, with, with the instruction and feedback and the coaching. But this next example is, is, is uh, interesting to see because this next example is, is all about what the system can filter out, not only the, uh, the coupling backlash. So I'll just run the video this time and, and Chris, who's doing all these uh, live demos, he's going to, on purpose, sorry to say, but as a lower level user with less experience, he's going to purposefully stop and start the measurement. He's going to speed up and slow down during the rotation. He's going to go in one direction and the other direction. So he's got, it tells him on the screen here, you've got rough rotation, you should rotate slower, you should rotate backwards. So he's gone in the opposite direction. He's done everything possibly wrong as a user. Maybe he's very low, low knowledge and experience. As we can see here at the moment, just to freeze the frame, we've gone from, from a, a, a green, we went back to red because he reversed the direction. You can hardly see the red coupling pie in this example because so much data, so much information with the analytics has been filtered out from accepted data. But if we carry on the video, it tells, this is giving the feedback to the user what they just performed. So what did he do? He had coupling play, we can remove that. He had a rough rotation as you saw, he, he started and stopped, he speeded up, he slowed down. We're measuring this, we're tracking this. We're even able to measure and remove the data when there's vibration and uh, environmental vibration going maybe from a, a, a adjacent machine. We're informing the user it'd be better if next time when he did a measurement, he, he wrote it a little bit slower, a bit smoother, and he didn't reverse the direction. So we're giving feedback, telling the user to try to help them and guide them in the future if they did another measurement, what to do, let's say, uh, inverted commas, better. So 
But let's run to the end of the video and see what the difference is between the measurement just performed by Chris on the rig and the previous measurement that we did on the measurement table. If we just go to the measurement table, you'll see in a second. Here we are. So as we can see here, the last measurement was definitely red as we saw. It was well, the quality we say it's 32%. But as you can see, the previous four measurements were all higher quality, over 60%. And as you can see, between the last measurement where he wasn't following the, the guidance, the values are within three hundredths of a millimeter. The difference, the maximum difference between those two measurements. So all the analytics, all the filtering in real time, giving the feedback to the user is all working and happening on this system. Right, so I've got, so those are the couple alignment applications I want to share with you. But what I want to also show now, in some situations, especially when you're installing a machine, or you're having to repair and, and, and reinstall a motor if it's been uh, rewound, or a pump that's been um, overhauled and, and seals and bearings been replaced, for example, um, in some situations, you would preferably want to start the alignment uncoupled rather than coupled initially. Why is that? Is because if you have an initial misalignment or if you have any um, thermal growth and targets as presets that you want to have on the machine because from its cold offline position to its operating position and condition, maybe you have thermal or, or, or dynamic load changes on the machine that changes its position. You don't want to align always to zero, zero. But if you don't disconnect the coupling and you have either initial misalignment or you have presets at the coupling, then you automatically, by mounting and bolting the coupling, you will load the bearings and you will load from its neutral state not only the, the, the bearings, but also the, the, the coupling, the bearings, and the shaft. And, and effectively, you're deflecting the shaft from its neutral um, state. And if you align based on this misaligned situation, you will not align with one move and one correction into the collinear position of, 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 of the shaft that we're trying to obtain. So this is important to be aware of. And that's why, with the active situational intelligence, we allow the, the, the user and the system to not only measure coupled, we have um, uncoupled shaft awareness, and I'd like to show you this now. This is an example here on a compressor, but I've got my, um, my simulator ready. And if we just run this video, you'll see what's happening. So the coupling here is, is, is dismounted. We've removed the flexible element. Importantly, We've got the laser on, on, on the, the station with the left machine. We've always got the sensor on the right machine during the measurement and the move. So what all we have to do is we only have to pass the laser through the sensor and then the sensor through the laser. The, the coupling is disconnected, so there's no load, no, no forces. The laser automatically takes its measurement when the laser and the sensor is at the same relative angles. And we don't have to look at indicators, values, displays. The system is reading the angles in real time. We're taking measurements when they come together 
or pass each other as it's called automatically and as we see nicely it's gone from red amber and green in one nice rotation so no loads no forces the true shaft positions of the whole machine no starting no stopping no manual readings no interpretation with the user it's all done automatically by the system so this is uncoupled shaft awareness on rotatable shafts but also in some situations we can find in industry there are also machines maybe higher speed machines turbo machinery where we don't have anti-friction roller or ball bearing um, application we can have sleeve bearings maybe you call them white metal bearing uh, application where it can be very difficult and not easy to rotate one of the shafts where you've got the the, the white uh, uh, sleeve bearing uh, shaft so in this situation either it's very difficult to rotate one of the shafts you want to separate the coupling so that you you, you split the coupling between the, the laser uh, the single laser and the single sensor or we have other examples which is very important for example on on, on big heavy gearboxes where it's not even feasible and possible to rotate the shaft at all. And in that situation, we have to revert to sliding on, on a surface that represents the shaft rotational axis of the machine. So we have to be careful about the, the condition, the, 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 the surface um, evenness and, and, and location. Um, but it may be what we have to revert to to get the, the alignment uh, of the non-rotatable shaft. Uh, so if we show the example here we set up or Chris has set up the rig so we've got here a representation of, of a split coupling we here have have the, the the sliding bracket ready to go so if we play the video you'll see what we we do here so we we start initially obviously we enter the dimensions and then there's no coupling we take the first position between the laser and the sensor that's the initial point. And after that, all we do is we move the shaft with the laser on. The laser always goes on the rotatable shaft to avoid the line over length problem. And we put the sensor on the sliding bracket, importantly, because we don't have with the sensor the line over length problem um, that the basic uh, double laser systems have. And what we do is we just rotate the laser with the rotational axis. And then carefully and surely, we slide the position of the sensor, but we're not taking measurements yet. We just watch the dial on the screen until it gets within the blue range. And once the indicator gets within the, the range, we take the hand off, it stabilizes, it checks the stability of the sensor and laser, and then takes the measurement point. So then we go to the next. Any position with the laser, it's not predefined. You can rotate the laser to any angular position. Then we slide carefully and surely the sensor until the needle is within the range. You can't take a measurement outside the range. You can't, as a user, have any angular difference between the single laser and the single sensor. It only allows the measurement within the plus minus one degree. You just take the hand off when you're within the range. The system checks and qualifies the stability of the measurement, then takes the point at the relative angle. And as you can see, slowly and surely, as we rotate, 
the pie chart of the coupling is filling in. It's gone now from amber to green. Just carefully put the laser, put the sensor within the laser range. Nice and simple, nice and slow. And as you can see, we're getting a quality over 60. It's well in the green, as we call it. 60 plus is green. And finally, after taking, I think Chris takes seven points. Nice, nice angular rotation, nice number of points. Nice position on the uh, information. If we just look, when we show here, oh, just go back. Just like to show that once more. Just let's show you here. Let's get to the end of that. Second more. So even though we've got gross misalignment, even though we've got over, in fact, good, yeah, over three and a half millimeters of misalignment between the um, the two shafts. Even though we're not rotating the shaft axis of the non-rotatable machine, we're using the, the coupling surface to slide carefully the sensor. Um, we've got within six hundredths of a millimeter the repeatability between the previous measurement and the actual measurement, which shows that this uh, non-rotatable uh, measurement uh, is performing well. So this is... Um, Uncoupled alignment, and what I'd like to show at the end of this, uh, these examples, in one more example, I just want to show when we have either initial misalignment or we have, again, presets. This is very typical if you have a longer distance between the laser and the sensor, uh, for example, on a, on a, this is a spacer type coupling rather than a short effects coupling. The longer distance between the laser and the sensor the more likely you are as you start the measurement and, and, and rotate the shaft that you may start to come with the line over length issue potentially um, of the laser to the sensor towards the end of the detector range. So what I want to show you is what happens with the uh, active situational intelligence in this example with single laser, single sensor. So let's just have a look, see what happens. So we've, we've loaded the coupling, not to mislead you. We've got here misalignment in the horizontal direction, you don't see it vertically, but the coupling is, is, is here, um, it's not in its normal position, but that's just to be able to show you the, uh, the interaction between the system and, and, and what, the, uh, what you get as feedback for the user. So we'll start the measurement. Again, put in dimensions as always. So in this example, the measurement is going to be started. And what's gonna happen is when the system detects it's getting over 75% of its detector range, it's going to give the user the feedback that you're approaching the edge of the detector range. You can ignore it and carry on, but in most situations, especially if you've got a longer distance between the laser and the sensor and you've got initial misalignment, what you can do with this frame phrase measurement is you can just follow what the, the, the system tells us to do step by step on the screen. So basically, if we accept the freeze frame measurement, it then shows you what, where and, and which direction and how much to adjust the laser. We've frozen the measurement, don't worry. We can move the laser in, in this situation. 
we move the laser, the laser goes more into the, the, the middle of the detector range, and then we're allowed with the system to restart the measurement. So we hadn't had to stop the measurement and, and start from zero. We can continue the measurement, and the system splices together the two parts of the measurement that's been performed. So this is very important because a lot of situations when you're going out there in the field, especially if you're a service company and you're, um, you're needing to perform um, the, uh, the alignment and you're needing to document what is the, the, the situation out there and, and what, is the, um, what is the initial condition of the machine, you have to have what we call as found situation very often to record, um, to prove that maybe you had misalignment. Yes, we went out there, we found misalignment. This is the initial as found condition and this is the final uh, as found condition. And this is important because unlike a basic alignment system where you'd have to either pre-align or, or, or rough align a machine before you can use the laser, the double laser system to, to, to measure your uh, situation, we always, with any amount of misalignment over any distant practical distance, with a single laser sensor technology, we're always able to measure, document the initial condition as well as the, the final condition. Obviously, as you see in this example, we can report it obviously in this in this document protocol, as we call it. So this was the single coupling. And what we can summarize here, just to give you a, a, a sort of a summary where we are with adaptive alignment. So with the, the, the asset situation is either coupled, rotatable. This is where we use the continuous sweep. We've got the uncoupled rotatable, where we would use the, the uncoupled shaft awareness. We, well, the measurement mode is called pass mode. And finally, we've got the uncoupled non-rotatable shaft and application, where again, we use the uncoupled shaft awareness, but we use a multipoint measurement, not a pass mode, as you saw during the video. So what, what is the, the, the active situation uh, intelligence value? Well, as you've seen, hopefully it's clear to, to, to grasp, we're automatically, we're measuring, detecting and removing erroneous and, and, and data that, that obviously could otherwise influence and lower the, uh, the, the quality and the accuracy of the measurement. This is done in real time by the system and the analytics in the software. And what's the user benefit for this, obviously, is that you get, as we've seen, the, the workflow, we get the user guidance. It, it, it obviously reduces repeat measurements and, and, and realignments, so you get the speed, and you get the consistent high results uh, for all the users who, who perform the alignment on the machine. Um, this is important uh, also for a company generally. Uh, so that's single coupling, but as well as single coupling and, and standard machines and applications, there are more challenging applications out there, as we know. And adaptive alignment is not only suitable for the standard machines, it also comes into its own when we have machine trains, for example, um, quite common with turbo machinery is obviously a gearbox. And when we have multiple couplings, um, this is uh, important because what we can do is we can not only measure in one coupling at one time and then go to the next coupling after the first coupling like a basic alignment system. What we can do here in real time is we can measure the simultaneous machine train alignment on both couplings simultaneously. So we can do up to six couplings, seven machines,
if that's what you ever have out in, in your uh, situation, in your uh, applications. But a classic one is with Gearbox. So what we've got here is we've got a coupled alignment situation on the first coupling. And here, just to show you, if we have in the example an uncoupled alignment situation, we can change to the uncoupled shaft awareness mode, and then we can start. And what happens is, just like a gearbox, if, if one shaft rotates in one direction, the other shaft with single reduction will go in the opposite direction. And all we're doing is the same as previously, but we're doing it simultaneously. We're measuring the whole machine train in, in one rotation. We're gathering in real time. We're still evaluating and qualifying the measurement in real time on both couplings simultaneously as, as the shaft and the machine is being rotated. This is uh, very important. Is time. If you, you don't have to do it one after another, you can do it all together in one measurement, one single operation. It's a huge time cost saving. Yeah? But not only the measurement, which is obviously the initial part of, of determining the, the alignment condition of the machine. Once you've done the measurement and you've got the results, we can also, here in this example, we can decide to do a move. The system checks if everything is correct to start the live move situation. And what we can do here, we've got a 2D view. We can see vertically and horizontally, with the split view of the results, the whole machine train. And what Chris is doing here, he's, wrote, he's moving on the, the gearbox, the middle machine. He's moving and we're measuring and tracking in real time the changes at coupling one and coupling two. We're not calculating anything and we're not using any theoretical measurements and, and, and trigonometry. We're really measuring and tracking and, and, and updating in real time the changes of the machine. And what's happening, interestingly, on the vertical of the top half of the screen, even though we're monitoring the horizontal, we're seeing the vertical changing in this situation. Oh my God, we've got a bit of lift in the vertical as well as the horizontal in the direction that Chris is adjusting. Now he's going to the third machine. He starts to move the third machine, but we're still seeing on, on the second shaft on the between the first and the second coupling up oh, now chris went back to the second machine now he's gone back to the third machine we, we are able to move and measure and track the complete machine train and this is very important because what we're ensuring you won't have it out in, in 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 the field is you won't get base and bolt bound situations which can happen if i just freeze the screen here that can happen if you align machine if you align the gearbox and then after you align the gearbox, you proceed onto the, uh, the the third machine and you may find you come out of range on the bolt or, or your base bound, you can't come down uh, on, on the base frame. This avoids any bolt and base bound situations on the machine train. This is uh, a very high, high end advanced uh, capability of this adaptive alignment. So the final one for today, I just want to show you, and then I think we're at the end, is let me just get to the is what we call total thermal coverage and this this is when we're not rotating on the shafts on the coupling and measuring the shaft uh, positions uh, we're actually mounting and fixing on the casings of the machine housings we can do it with with drilling and tapping or alternatively we can also do it with some nice magnetic brackets we offer and to mount on the machine casing here's an example on the gantry crane in uh, Quebec, where a measurement was performed. And what we're doing in this situation is, 
as I mentioned, we're not on the shaft. So as we see from the example, we've come away from the shaft and we're now mounted on the simulator uh, on the machine cases. And what we're going to do is we're going to play the video and we're going to see what happens. So we want to monitor from, from the, the offline cold. Uh, we want to monitor the machine movement, uh, either static, maybe you have pipe strain or you're interested in some, some, some movements of the frame, or you want to measure the, the dynamic thermal um, and load changes in the machine. What we do is we set the interval and then we set the duration, how long we want to, uh, to measure for. And then we just decide, is it hot to cold or cold to hot? Is the change of the machine? Um, and then we start the measurement. And then what we see in real time after we uh, start the measurement is we see not only at the sensors and the coupling, we can display at the results of the machine that's starting to measure and move. We can see the whole information about the complete machine drain. We've got the couplings, we've got the, the machine feet. Chris is going to simulate thermal movement by moving in this simulator just the, 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 the laser positions on, on, on laser on sensor, uh, sensor one and two. But this is just to show you what happens. We've got the coupling information, we've got the feet machine information. If you move, if there's machine movement on coupling on machine one, you'll see it on machine two and machine three. So we're seeing in real time the load and the changes of the complete machine train from its starter position to its final operating condition. We can see it in 2D, the views as well as 3D. And also we can plot in real time in coupling two. And if you want to flip, you can flip to coupling one. We can see all the machine movement, all the machine changes dynamically uh, as the, uh, the alignment proceeds. Good, so this is what I wanted to show. And just to summarize now on the, the multi-coupling application situation, what, what did we see? What hopefully does the adaptive alignment deliver? What's, so we're saying we can do uncoupled and couple the complete machine train um, we can do the measurements, we can do the moves, we can see and remove uh, all, all uh, erroneous data from, from the measured data, and the user can, can align the whole machine train to avoid any uh, bolt and base bound situation, which is, as it mentions, a huge time and, and, and time saver out in the field. For the, adapt, for the total uh, thermal coverage, we, as you saw just now, we're tracking and measuring and monitoring the complete machine train from its offline um, to running state. We don't have to, 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 to do the measurement more than once. We don't have to run up and coast down and wait for the machine a second time to do the second half of the coupling. We can monitor and measure the complete machine train in one overall total thermal coverage. So to summarize, what have we seen and hopefully what have we been able to present? Uh, the value proposition, as it says, is we're delivering in, in the real time with the sensor and laser sensor technology, the hardware part, and the active situational intelligence on the software part. We're delivering a, a complete solution that acclimatizes, as you've seen, in, in real time. We're not only doing it on, on, on standard, machines, we can do it on, on critical, um, complex, uh, challenging machines and applications. Um, and very importantly, we're able to do it for the user 
out in the field who maybe not have as much experience and knowledge and, 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 and uh, training. We're delivering with this adaptive alignment um, that everyone should get the same high quality results. Um, as, as an, as, and therefore you can use more of the, uh, the team members uh, to perform your alignments out in the field. So that was it, Leah. That was fantastic. And uh, I have to warn you that we do have some questions coming in. And so folks, keep asking your questions. If Jonathan runs out of time, then uh, I'll have him get back to you individually with specific, um, uh, specific answers. So I'm going to launch the last poll. Again, if your screen is maximized, you want to reduce your screen size down so you can click the buttons. But for Jonathan's benefits, can you tell us now um, do you now see the benefits of the alignment system that adapts to situations and to user experience levels? Did we did we communicate that? So let us know how beneficial this demonstration was between uh, Jonathan and Chris and all of those step-by-step -step videos. Was that helpful or um, you're not sure or not that important or not relevant because you're not using an alignment system? So I'm going to give it a few more seconds here. Thank you, everyone, for voting. We greatly appreciate it because this will help us as we move forward in this uh, series and bring you more alignment demonstrations. Um, though Jonathan has done such a fantastic job here, it'll be a hard one to top. Okay, <laughs> we've got 60% of the vote in. I'd love for a few more people to come in, give us a vote. I'm going to close it down and share the results. So Jonathan, it looks like you've got 75% of the voters saying that yes, this was beneficial. And another 18% are also getting some benefit. And then you've got a few folks that aren't sure what wasn't wasn't relevant to them. So well done. Yeah, that's great. That's great to know that that what we've done and what we, we put together in hardware and software is is being acknowledged and, and people are valuing not only the customers, the companies, but hopefully also for their users who have to perform the alignment out in the field. That's great news there. Indeed. Well, why don't I turn it back over to you? You can finish up here and then we'll see if we yeah. have time for questions. Okay, so just to finish off, uh, if you want more information on the Proofthenic website, we have a section called Adaptive Alignment. And if you would like to read, we have a white paper where you can download it as a PDF. If you'd prefer, if you'd like to request, we can send you this document. Uh, it gives you all the background information uh, on, on Adaptive Alignment. And finally, as Leah mentioned, but my colleague Chris Wilson in the UK, I'd just like to thank him for all the uh, the touch adaptive videos that in fact he put together in the UK. So big thanks to Chris. And that was it. Let's get the right. question. Yes, indeed. So as I mentioned, folks, use this opportunity now to type your questions in because I will ask Jonathan to get back to you personally. So type away, even though I know we won't get to all of your questions right now. And please hang in there. Don't hang up yet because I would love to get your feedback on the survey that will show up when I end the presentation. All right. So going back to the beginning, and some of these will have been addressed, um, but uh, at uh, at the very beginning, um, some folks asked if the system would generate reports, and I think we saw that example there. Um, and then the person asked, can this unit be used for belt alignment using uh, the belt alignment accessories? Can I use the display of this unit for belt alignment systems? No, we have a separate product. Uh, we call it Pull Align. That's a visual indicator uh, 
for, for belt alignment because you don't need the same precision uh, as, as coupling alignment with belt alignment. You, you only need about a quarter of a degree of, of alignment between the two belt shafts. So that's something we do visually. Uh, the product's called Pull Align, if anyone's interested, yeah. Very good. The next question was about thermal growth, and I believe you answered that, but let's see. Uh, is there any option of self-calculation of thermal growth? Yes, yes, correct. We have uh, an alignment calculator. Mm. If you uh, know the metal and you know the, the height between from, from the base and the shaft and you know the material, then you can use the thermal coefficient of expansion and, and the calculator will calculate the theoretical growth. But to be yeah. honest, what we found out in the real world, people's theory and what even OEM describe, <laughs> please go out there, measure with, with this uh, total thermal coverage and, and what someone once said to me, uh, expect the unexpected with uh, right. measuring real, real movements out in the field. So thermal right. growth, movement to machine is, is not theoretical. It has to be physical and, and in the end, we, we, we quite often find that what we've calculated is not what we measure in the real world. Oh, that's true. Still, the simulation is impressive. Um, there's another question about what is the effect of SAG on laser alignment? SAG on laser alignment? Well, we don't have the bar. We don't have uh, any mechanical uh, uh, bar that goes over the coupling. Uh, we only have the vertical positions of the rods. And, and at Proofdenny, we spend a lot of time to, 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 to design and calculate that the center of gravity of the sensor, in, in, in fact, in, I'll say in both directions, we're right in the center of the sensor um, with, with, the, with the center of gravity for the moment of, of, of the center and the laser. So we, we would say we don't have any deflection uh, due to the bars of the laser nor the sensor on our brackets. We had several people ask about uh, situations where you can't turn it at all. So in this question, it's uh, what about turbine rotors which can't be turned? Mm, yeah, well, that's, that's always a good discussion out in the field. In the, beginning, <laughs> could, yeah, in the beginning, you could use two sliding brackets, but, but you should be very cautious and, and, and very aware that, that unless you really re rotate um, the shaft at some point, and, and, and even on, on rotor turbines, you, you are able, if requested, um, to, to have uh, the, 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 the pump load, the bearing, to be able to, 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 to carefully rotate the, the, sh the shaft the rotor shaft in the shell of the bearing and, and then stop the, uh, the, 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 the the oil pump to release the oil on the bearing and then take the point and then load the bearing again, rotate the shaft, stop again. Because you're in the real, the real situation if, if you're not able to rotate at least one of the shafts. Uh, right. you can do it. But you have to be very careful because as I mentioned during the video, hopefully, if you put, if you put the laser on a non-rotatable shaft and then you're moving the laser as well as the sensor, then you'll have the line of the length problem of, of the laser right. distance and this is what you want to avoid at hopefully all consequences and um, the sensor has a fixed distance between the two detectors it's not dependent on the distance between the laser and the sensor whereas the laser if you start sliding it you've got the line over length problem so the, the, in most situations what we find with people who are doing rotor turbine we have our colleagues uh, in, in Poland who do a lot of um, uh, turbine steam uh, steam steam turbine alignments Mm -hmm. but in the end, you are able to rotate the shafts, uh, at least to perform a final alignment confirmation of what you've done uh, without rotating the shafts uh, during the course of the alignment procedure. Very quickly, what degree of minimum rotation is required? Well, that's always a good question. I would like to answer it by saying what's the maximum rotation? Uh... Because with, with having our 
with having our extend uh, technology, we don't have a limitation on the minimum angle of rotation. We can, as we saw in the, one of the videos, if we get towards the end of the detector surface, we don't have to stop the measurement, even though we can, we can measure on five degrees in theory, but it wouldn't make sense because it's a mathematical calculation, uh, is, is the calculation of, of, the, of, of the, 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 the the shaft uh, position and we're using elliptical mass we're not using circular mass so we're taking more than three points but even though we're taking more than three points and we can take a measurement less than one degree we want to maximize the rotational angle maximize the the, the displacement on the detector surface and then we maximize the quality of, of the resulting uh, alignment that we, we're able to calculate because it's all about the quality and one of the parameters of quality is, is in fact the rotational angle and the number of points and that derives to a certain extent mathematically what you're able to calculate. Well I want to thank everyone for entering your questions Jonathan you're going to be busy afterward because there are quite a few more questions for you but I think you'll be able to give some excellent answers. Uh, so you have another 30 seconds folks to enter your questions in live you can always follow up with Jonathan directly at the email address that's on screen there. And as we said, if you hang on to answer the survey at the end, we'll send you a copy of Jonathan's presentation slides, and then the whole webinar will be available recorded within a day or so on excelx.com. Right now, Jonathan, if you'll forward to the next slide, I want to invite folks to attend our June 10th webinar with Greg Perry, who is another excellent presenter, and he has got loads of experience helping people with their initial CMMS implementations, and has got a lot of very good field insight for you to help that be more successful. So tune in June 10th, and then if you forward to the last slide, please, Jonathan. There we go. So wait for this survey after I close the webinar. You'll get a chance to give us some feedback on today's presentation and to tell us what else you'd like this series to cover. So thank you very, very much, Jonathan. This was a fantastic session. I learned loads. I think the audience appreciated it and hopefully we'll have you back again soon. Yep, I've enjoyed it and I'm happy to come back anytime. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks a lot.